0: Alrighty, welcome to Podcast Oregon, everybody, a show that brings you a higher perspective on the world of cannabis. Coming to you from the world-famous Portland Cannabis Museum in Southwest Portland, Oregon, I'm your host Andy Gervich, and these are headlines. California's Adult Use of Marijuana Act, or ALMA, is a voter initiative characterized as legalizing recreational marijuana use in the state but critics have warned that it will actually make access more difficult and expensive, squeeze home growers and small farmers out of the market, and open the door to patented, genetically modified cannabis seeds that must be purchased by growers year after year. Leading this charge in the wrong direction is none other than darling of the American left, George Soros, a major shareholder in Monsanto the world's largest seed company and producer of genetically modified seeds. You know, Monsanto, that's the biotech giant that brought you such delicious treats as Agent Orange, DDT, PCBs, aspartame, RBGH, and Roundup Ready Crops. Yummy. Monsanto now appears to be developing genetically modified forms of cannabis with the intent of cornering the market with patented GMO seeds, just as it did with GMO corn and soybeans. For that, the plant would need to be legalized but highly regulated so it can be controlled by these big corporate interests. Monsanto has denied that it is working on GMO cannabis strains, but a recent attempted merger with the German pharmaceutical giant Bayer AG, who happens to also be working on forms of genetically modified cannabis, might suggest otherwise. The proposed merger could spell the end of the cannabis industry as we know it. Stay tuned for more as this story develops. Cannabis edibles are turning out to be a key component in the future of legalization. Consuming cannabis through food is nothing new, but the relevance of edible marijuana, especially high-end options, could be the final straw that breaks prohibition's back. It could even help deliver the unthinkable, a fully legal weed restaurant. Then again, edibles could also be the liability that shatters the entire movement, due to people, for lack of a better phrase, getting too damned high. Exhibit A, Maureen Dowd, the New York Times columnist whose experience freaking out in a Denver hotel room has become a national punchline. But some secret cannabis restaurant speakeasies are popping up in places like New York, Colorado, California, and Oregon to try to change the perception of high-end edibles and bring some much-needed consistency to the process. The movement has been happening in cloak-and-dagger kitchens across the country. In legal and illegal states, people are eating weed at record rates in the form of these high-end infused dining experiences and through store-bought edibles. Ironically, the biggest source of negativity in recent legalization efforts are without a doubt ripples that come from the improper use of edibles, mainly by tourists and novice users such as Maureen Dowd. The public needs proper education to consume responsibly, but they won't get that education as long as cannabis remains an illegal kind of legal or just barely legal entity in their state. This is a vicious and unproductive cycle and one that benefits no one but the alcohol industry and draconian police unions. And that is something which is really hard to stomach. This week on the program, Courtney Sherwood explores the controversy around the upcoming federal rescheduling of cannabis and what it might mean for the future of medical and recreational legalization efforts. And Holly Goodman looks into the opioid epidemic in the United States and how medical cannabis might, just might, provide a natural and safe alternative. All of that and more after this.
1: Located in Southwest Portland, Local Leaf is one of Oregon's finest medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries. With over 40 strains of premium flour, concentrates, edibles, and a host of glass and other products, Local Leaf is a one-stop shop for all of your cannabis needs.
2: Local Leaf is also home to the world-famous Portland Cannabis Museum, with one of the largest collections of cannabis memorabilia, art, and curiosities in the country. Come in between 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. seven days a week to ease your pain and brighten your day. Look us up on Leafly and on the web at localeaf420.com. Where? localeaf420.com.
1: See you then.
3: On the Block Radio is a weekly show that explores the relationship between creativity and transformation. OTV goes deep into the edges of consciousness, art, race, class, and gender. New episodes drop every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and SoundCloud. OnTheBlockRadio.com. Listen,
1: engage, transform.
4: Hey, this is Warren Haynes, and you are listening to PodcastOregon.com.
3: Here in Oregon, anyone older than 21 can walk into a state-licensed store and walk out with a joint. But if you think weed is legal, you only know half the story.
5: According to what we have in statute, marijuana is Schedule 1, which puts it on a par with LSD and heroin, has no medicinal properties, and is more dangerous than Coke and methamphetamines. And I don't think you will find any sheriff, any district attorney, or any health expert who would remotely suggest that that is true.
3: That's U.S. Congressman Earl Blumenauer, a Democrat from Portland. He's been pushing for changes to federal marijuana law for years. And as he points out, the drug is still very much illegal in the United States. It's just that government officials have agreed to look the other way, for now. That's right. The FBI and Drug Enforcement Administration, even the Treasury Department, still say weed is illegal. They're not cracking down in Oregon or states with medical cannabis because Obama officials told them to back off. The U.S. Department of Justice says it's leaving states alone that follow certain rules. States have to monitor pot sales closely and keep the drug out of the hands of kids. The Treasury Department says it won't punish banks that take marijuana business money. But these are just promises made with Barack Obama's backing. They're not changes to the law.
6: In a different administration, um, the rules could change. That's kind of why banks, I think, have been reluctant to get involved, because what if in two years, or next year for that matter, um... You know, a new president says, I don't I don't agree with um, President Obama um, and they could change the rules and and the guidance.
3: That's Ben Weil, a reporter and editor with Politico in Washington, D.C. Weil covers congressional budgets and appropriations. He recently surveyed the changing state of marijuana regulation in America. So far, he says, law changes have been few and far between. For two years, Congress has said it won't pay federal cops to crack down on medical cannabis where it's been legalized, but that's a temporary policy that will expire. Starting this year, Veterans Affairs doctors can recommend marijuana use for military vets with PTSD. But federal bank laws still make financial institutions afraid of handling cannabis funds, and the drug is still listed as officially too dangerous for anyone to use. As for making marijuana federally legal, here's why.
6: It's a slow process, but you can see uh, momentum building in Congress uh, to relax the restrictions on marijuana. Um, It's happening uh, in a few areas. Uh, There's not one sweeping law that's going to be passed anytime soon to overturn the ban on marijuana.
3: That's a problem for legitimate businesses in Oregon that can't open bank accounts. In April, Governor Kate Brown signed a bill allowing banks and credit unions to do business with legal pot operations but things are more complicated under federal law. The US Treasury Department says it's possible for banks to accept marijuana businesses as customers, but only if they take extreme steps to avoid getting entangled in drug crimes. Banks also have to do extensive background checks and file reports on any pot businesses they work with. The paperwork is so complicated that pretty much every bank and credit union has decided it's not worth the risk. Deanna Mack is with Oregon's Department of Revenue. She says even when a pot business does manage to open an account, it's often a matter of time before it gets shut down. Correct. One of the things that I do know that I'm hearing that we're hearing from our our, um, our the banks is that as they're identifying that these people have those types of businesses, they are putting them on notice for closure of their accounts. We have some customers that come in and tell us, "Hey, look, I'm on my third account closure, and it's going to be on, on any time." Without access to bank accounts, businesses have showed up at the State Department of Revenue with $90,000 in cash to pay a single month's taxes. State tax collectors are increasing security, and they have good cause. Cash has a way of drawing criminals. Last month, a former Marine working security at a Colorado dispensary was shot and killed during an attempted robbery. Here's Congressman Blumenauer's take.
5: Federal law forces legitimate marijuana businesses to be entirely cash. They can't get a bank account. And delivering their tax payments with shopping bags full of cash, if you care about money laundering, if you care about tax evasion and theft, is crazy. It's just crazy.
3: It does not look like federal banking laws will change this year. But Anthony Taylor says other incremental changes to national laws are making a real difference. Taylor is president of medical marijuana advocacy group Compassionate Oregon. He's also an Air Force veteran. He says new veterans affairs laws will help patients.
7: These
0: policy changes allow the VA providers to have an open and honest conversation with their patients. And it also allows these providers to chart the use of cannabis by their patients, which opens up a huge amount of data that we can use to um, help justify or, you know, prove the theory that this medication is actually helping these veterans.
3: Taylor hopes medical marijuana may help some veterans reduce the number of pharmaceuticals they take to treat conditions, including chronic pain and PTSD. But there have not been enough studies into how well it works. Allowing VA doctors to gather data could change that. Ben Weil, the Politico reporter, says he does not see sweeping legal changes coming anytime soon. But he also says the conversation has shifted. Blumenauer used to be on the far fringes of the mainstream. These days, more and more politicians are coming to see his point of view, even Republicans. Weil says some Republicans see legal marijuana as an issue of individual freedom. Others say it's about states' rights.
6: Some of the most conservative members of the party um, are kind of leading the charge on this.
3: That's Congress, but what about the next president? Both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton say they support medical marijuana and that they want to let states lead the way. But it's not clear if they'll stick with the policies Obama's put in place. We'll know more after the election. But as legal as pot may seem in Oregon today, we have a long way to go before federal laws catch up.
4: At El Gallo Taqueria, our cocks are for loving, not fighting. Serving authentic Mexican street food, made from scratch. Located at 4422 Southeast Woodstock. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. feed your face.
5: face, face,
4: face, face Hi, face. I'm John Morgan of Morgan and & Morgan. And I'm sure that many of you, when you heard I was lobbying for the legalization of medical marijuana probably thought I had just finished smoking a big 7-gram blunt, possibly sprinkled with PCP, affectionately known as a Jeffrey. But actually, I have done my research. Medical marijuana can be a natural alternative to highly addicted painkillers like OxyContin. That's because medical marijuana is grown hydroponically, which produces big, multicolored buds that are chock full of THC. Some might know it as purple, hydro, sticky icky, kush, couchweed, blueberry yum yum, ganja, trees, Mary Jane, or thunder chicken. I call it delicious. For properly carded patients, that is. People need to understand that medical marijuana is sometimes the only thing that will increase a terminally ill patient's appetite. What if it was your grandma... Your Nana doesn't need to be hooked on narcotic painkillers, she needs to take a couple of big bong rips, eat a box of Oreos, and watch Super Troopers. It's time to stop the madness. Don't let these bogus politicians bogart your stash of sticky icky that could save your Nana's life. I'm John Morgan, for The Reefer.
2: You should get a giant vanilla ice on your shoulder. What I see is a Spongebob tramp stamp. Dude.
0: Ace freely, butt cheek. Enough said.
3: Stop. Just stop. stop. Stop! Stop! Anyone can get a tattoo, especially in a place like Portland. But wouldn't you rather get a piece of body art that comes from somewhere better than the drunken ideas of your friends? Evolved Arts with Charlie McGill is an upscale tattoo studio offering all types of modern and traditional tattooing. Look us up on the web at evolvedarts.com. To make an appointment, call us at 503-780-0979. That's 503-780-0979. Drop in to see us at 10 North Shaver in Portland, Oregon. Mention this ad and receive 10% off of your hourly rate with no size limit. Evolved Arts Tattooing, art for the body from the mind of the world.
1: For weeks after rock superstar and musical genius Prince was found dead in the elevator of his Minnesota home, speculation about the cause swirled around what the autopsy eventually confirmed, opiate overdose. The man who was inimitable, a nearly unparalleled creative force during his life, died a statistic, one more loss in an epidemic of fatalities fueled by the overprescription of opioid-based painkillers. According to the Centers for Disease Control, opioids have killed more than 2 million people in the United States since 1999. That's 46 deaths a day. And the numbers keep climbing. Despite mounting research that confirms cannabis may be the solution to America's fatal opiate attraction, medical marijuana remains inaccessible to many. Even in states with legal medical marijuana programs, Getting it and using it can be tricky.
8: You know, there's kind of two sides to this. Uh, One part is uh, the use of opiates for pain. Uh, And uh, there's a tremendous need to uh, have some kind of augmentation of opiate uh, uh, treatment for pain. And marijuana is perfect for that. And uh, I, I think that it's, the evidence is pretty clear that marijuana itself can help pain. And the neurochemistry shows that uh, marijuana uh, amplifies the uh, ability of, of opiates to uh, uh, relieve pain. So that just physiologically, you just don't need as much. Uh, it, it's it's uh, just a very simple uh, 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 mechanism. It, it marijuana simply makes it more effective, so you don't need as much.
1: That's Roseburg psychiatrist and neuroscientist Dr. Scott Mendelson. Mendelson says studies show that supplementing opioids with marijuana provides increased pain relief, allowing patients to use fewer narcotics. Many eventually eliminate them, relying only on marijuana. I certainly have had.
8: Uh, my share of patients who tell me that uh, if they could have free, uh, easy access to a good supply of marijuana, that they wouldn't need opiates.
1: Last February, in a call-to-action letter to the CDC, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren cited a 65% increase in opiate deaths in her home state between 2012 and 2014. She asked that the agency investigate and, quote, fill in the gap on use, uptake, and effectiveness of medical marijuana as an alternative to opioids for pain treatment in states where it's legal, and study the impact of legalization of medical and recreational marijuana on opioid overdose deaths." End quote. What we already know is this, less people die from opioid overdose in states with medical marijuana, significantly less. And it's not breaking news. It's been nearly two years since the Journal of the Medical Association published findings that states with legal medical marijuana have 25% fewer fatal overdoses annually. Here's how it works.
8: Uh, Currently, uh, the uh, clinic that I work for, uh, the policy, official policy, has been uh, to uh, not allow uh, medications to be given to people that test positive for marijuana uh and to not write for medical marijuana cards and uh it has been rather difficult uh, uh so uh, officially i uh, have not been able to do much uh i uh do not uh, withhold treatment from people uh that uh, use marijuana that test positive it, it's absurd
1: those who continue to take opioids in tandem with marijuana have a reduced risk of addiction. And because their use doesn't escalate, it's less likely to end in overdose. Despite mounting evidence of, met, of marijuana's potential to slow or even reverse the opioid epidemic, it can still be difficult for doctors to prescribe and patients to use, even in states where it's legal. Thuri Kalapia is an honor student at Portland State University with anxiety and osteoarthritis, which causes chronic joint pain. Cannabis provides the most effective relief for both, but she's currently job hunting. She has access to cannabis, but won't use it for fear of losing out on job opportunities. She let her medical card expire in the face of potential pre-employment drug screenings, and she replaced cannabis with three narcotic prescriptions, the generic version of Xanax for her anxiety, plus a combination of hydrocodone and an additional arthritis med to ease hip and knee pain. The narcotics are less effective, but you'll pass a drug test when the offer comes.
7: It usually takes one and a half to two tablets of that to even get near the pain. And the thing that that is different between that and smoking cannabis is, well, first of all, the response time for the medication. Um, the hydrocodone usually it takes about an hour for it to kick in and for me to feel any relief. With with cannabis, especially with smoking, the relief is immediate. You know, you, you I smoke a, a couple of uh, a couple of hits of cannabis and I'm a lot better. And it, it does seem to it doesn't touch the really intense pain. It doesn't completely take it away. I shouldn't say it doesn't touch it. It doesn't completely take it away, but neither does the hydrocodone.
1: The cannabis gets a lot closer, though. If her pain is a level 7 on a scale of 1 to 10, the hydrocodone will drop it to about 4, she says, but cannabis takes it down to about a 2. It not only
7: relieves the pain, it relieves the anxiety that is caused by the pain. Because I I think that when, when we have intense pain, There's a certain amount of stress that's involved when you're hurting that bad that, you know, cannabis, because it addresses both things, that's what makes it a better medication for me.
1: Until politics and employment policies catch up with science, Thury and others like her are left with no alternative to the opiate gamble. For Podcast Oregon, I'm Holly Goodman.
2: Hi everybody, it's Mike Napoli with Podcast Oregon, and I'm here at the 420 Golf Tournament at Stone Creek Golf Course in Oregon City. And I'm here with Matt Enos, the director, founder, organizer of this event, is that correct?
9: Yeah, all of the above.
2: All of the above. So, uh, this is amazing. I've been rolling around, you've... Uh, Thank you for allowing us to come out, first of all, and uh, be a part of this and see what's been going on. I mean, this is, it's, it's an amazing day. It's beautiful out here. How, how many people do you have on a on course today?
9: A full course and then some. It's 156 on this course. I shouldn't say that. It's actually over full.
2: Over full. And uh, so how many of these have you done now?
9: We've done two here in the Portland market. Yeah. We will continue to do another one actually this summer.
2: There's another one coming pretty soon,
9: right? Absolutely. One last year, but two this summer, absolutely, here in the Portland market. So tell us how it's going. It's amazing. Um, it has been uh, an uphill ride, I guess. We're, it's a fight. We're definitely pushing hard, but it's, it's a movement. Right. Uh, it's happy to see it kind of mature. Everybody in the industry wants to be respectful. It's, it's an event for the industry to have a good day um, and just enjoy themselves, network, and share the dream.
2: Right. Well, obviously, golf is a very interesting sport. It's got a uh, design and attitude around it. I'm sure you've run into some challenges with bringing cannabis into the golf industry.
9: I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a thousand no's before finding something to say yes.
2: What are some of the things that you've run into to get here?
9: Several states. um, I've tried to put this on in, but... Uh the Oregon market is definitely ripe or just able to accept it. I think it's a good market from the law perspective, uh the regulations. Uh the people. Um, they get it. Right. It's tough to do it in different markets there. I can I don't want to say any states, but I can say sure. it's diffi- difficult to do it in most most states.
2: Well here in Oregon it you know, cannabis is now illegal recreational and medically, so it's um, presumably easier to do it here. But I'm sure you run into challenges in uh, other
9: legal states. Washington is much more difficult than Oregon. And they are both legal and medicinal. So right. it is definitely more difficult. It's just the way the laws have been written.
2: I've heard from talking to some of the people that are out here from attorneys and the athletes and uh, other ancillary businesses um, that, county by county that the challenges are even different.
9: Absolutely, um, like I said, there's thousands of no's. Right. I've, i called a lot of courses even in the Portland market. Wow, well,
2: so how, how do you see cannabis and professional sports evolving as we move into this legalization world across America?
9: I see it as a key per component. To the movement, I feel like the advancement's going to come in a few different ways. Um, I don't think there's a silver bullet, but I think that no different than the NFL has made an effect on our country uh, in the way that how many viewers on a Sunday for Super Bowl. Right. I feel like athletics are doing the same thing in in cannabis. I think it hasn't even begun yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like people want to bring it out in a positive way Mm -hmm. and really have it be respected not just that stoner culture of course even if you are you still want to make it a little bit better maybe not calling it weed anymore even you know right um i think there's just a lot of respect for it and a lot of people hoping that it makes its mark
2: right well uh, people are having a great time out here so it's been a lot of fun uh, a lot of happy faces and uh People are saying it, it's quite possibly the best golf tournament that they've ever done. And some people are saying they've done hundreds.
9: That's the dream. That's what we're <laughs> looking to achieve. Um, I think if you're in this industry or if you share a passion for the plan, it's not a bad day. Right, right.
2: Well, I, I know you got a lot. Uh, they'll be coming in from the course here pretty soon. And you've got some other things happening, so I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, but thank you for having us out today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us or leave us with? Where can people get more information about uh,
9: the next one? I guess I would first and foremost like to thank my sponsors. Thank you uh, for just getting out here and obviously carrying the story. Um, but beyond that, my sponsors, MRX, is very important to this deal. Um,
2: Give Oregon finest.
9: Of them. Uh, truly pure there are so many i can't even go down the list novik forever dang clay wolf um but you know the list goes on i think they're just is companies that see this as a good way to network and market their products yeah in a respectful manner
2: well it definitely has been and that's what everybody's been saying out there awesome so,
9: thank you thank you all right have a good day
0: Alright, that'll do it for this week, folks. Special thanks to Local Leaf Dispensary and the Portland Cannabis Museum for giving us a home. Shout out to executive producer Michael Johnson and to our house band Forbidden Gecko Love. And special thanks to Magic Man producer Michael DiNapoli for all of his hard work and support in making this show happen. Special thanks to our correspondents Courtney Sherwood and Holly Goodman for all of their amazing work. Get yourself over to podcastoregon.com to continue the conversation. And remember, folks, if it looks good, smoke it.